Welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name is Kevin. And my name is Daniel. And this is episode 84. That's an eight and a four. Ooh. Two digits. Numbers. We're in the double digits. I, I'm data-driven, you know what I'm saying? You are. Uh, sir, we have come on a long journey mm-hmm. to bring podcasts to the gamers out there because they, they are hungry for it, mm-hmm. right? They don't have alternative sources. There's no enthusiast podcast mm-hmm. or professional podcast about gaming at all, right? No, we're in the podcast apocalypse right now. Kind of Funny is gone. Funhouse is nowhere to be seen. All... Giant Bomb is a giant bomb that blew up the world. <laughs> All of them are gone because it's all just about Manscaped right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they just, it's literally an hour and a half, you turn it on, they just talk about shaving their balls all day. And I'm just like, how long does it take to shave balls, really? You know? Like, what, what is the estimated effort on that one? I To be honest, I've never shaved my balls, so I don't kidding? really know, like, an ETA. You've never that. had smoothies? Are you kidding? Are you yeah, joking at me? Jamba Juice used to be my favorite, but I've never had what you would call smoothies <laughs> down south. <laughs> Smoothie with bits. This is why we don't have sponsorship. This is exactly why we don't have a sponsorship from anybody. (laughs) If you've never listened to us before, we're the only gaming podcast offering a full refund in Battle.net. Just type in, I want my money brack. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I I thought it was good anyway. Isn't that like the CEO's name? I don't know. Who cares? Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I think it is actually. Wait, maybe CEO is wrong. Maybe it's something like uh, vice president, co-president. I don't know. How come there's no standardized name for head of a studio anymore? Mm. Right? Why? I don't know. Once Reggie left, everything kind of got thrown up in the air. Reggie didn't have a title. My dude was just Reggie. He was just Reggie. That was the title. Yeah. The the respect (laughs) followed. (laughs) You can find us on SoundCloud.com slash The Save Room Show or Spotify or iTunes or Google Play and even Stitcher. I'm not going to mention CastBox because I think the contract ran up. They sent us some snail mail about mm-hmm. it, and I laughed for a while because, like, who who mails shit? It all anymore? gets forwarded to my junk mail, so I don't even know. It does indeed. Mm-hmm. Now, Daniel, if you didn't want to just hear us, if you said, "What do these boys look like in their face areas? How much hair do they have?" In Daniel's case, a lot, apparently. I do. I have a lot of hair. I learned something today. <laughs> no, no smoothies with bits. <laughs> It's on my face, though. <laughs> I understand. Where can they find your face, Daniel? They can find me streaming over at twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels. It seemed like you forgot what it was for a second. I, I've been out of the game for so long that I forgot how to promote myself. You really did that to yourself. Dungeons and Daniels. I think it's great. Dungeons and Daniels. I think it's awesome. Dungeons and Daniels. It's a good play. Does it really, does it like slip off the tongue? Dungeons and Daniels? Yeah, I'm so, used, a- I'm so used to having it on my tongue. I don't know that if it's wrong or not, right? Well, I my- mean, I keep trying to do D&D TV, but people can, have convinced me that that's not going to be a thing. So, you know. D&D TV? Yeah. You're going to confuse a lot of people <laughs> and then disappoint a lot, a lot of, of people, people yeah. all at once. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking stoked for the latest like, D&D cast, and it's me just fucking playing Uncharted in my boxers. Exactly. They're <laughs> going to be like, show me show me your dice. And you're like, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't have a 12 side die. I don't know anything like that. <laughs> I think you uh, have a fifth edition around here somewhere, right? I do, yeah, over in the corner somewhere. Over in the corner somewhere. There's literally a pair of boxers like on top of it right now. I just took a look. <laughs> He's lying. No, that is not a thing. It's pajamas. Pajama pants. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, well, something that your dick has touched is on top of your fucking fifth edition. Anywho, if you wanted to see my beautiful face, I stream at twitch.tv slash the red herb. And I, uh, you can find me on Wednesdays, Saturday nights, and Sundays. Peep the schedule by looking at the channel, actually, because I made a nice little little card for it. Yeah, a little Tremors card. Beautiful card. It's Nobody, fancy. First of all, fuck 
you if you don't know what Tremors is, mm. okay? They're all on Netflix. They're all on Netflix, all on Netflix. even the bad ones. Just watch one, two, you're done. One, two, you're done. You're done. Speaking of the bad ones, real quick, uh, they put all the Final Destination movies on Netflix. I need, and you, I need you to take back that statement. That was a real, <laughs> real bad wormhole that I went down uh, last week. Why'd you do it? The, like a bad car accident, I just couldn't look away. That's and true. I just had yeah. to keep going and going and seeing how the movies progressed. And I think you told me that the there was one that served as a prequel, and I was trying to build up to that. And unfortunately, that was the only one not on Netflix. What is so, that called? Is that five? Yeah. It's just five? Or was it like Final Desto 3D? Well, because the Final Destination is the fourth one, and I thought that's what it would be. I think that was the one that was intended to be the last one, but it made too much money. And they're like, we got to make another one now. Too much money. (laughs) Yeah. So they made a prequel, which ended up making, I think it was the second highest grossing Final Destination. You're saying somebody wanted to stop making those movies, and they're like, you've made too much money. And it's just like, fuck, I'm cursed. Well, the fourth one was very bad. Like, I, I think I told you this is probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Listen, man, if you want to do a fucking movie podcast, mm-hmm. we'll add another, a, throw, a third show to the rotation, yeah. man. We have too many shows. We right started now. our gaming podcast yeah. talking about movies from fucking like the early 2000s. What's going on here? What's <laughs> I going don't know. On, We're man? a video game podcast, I, aren't we? I, I, I'm just saying, I feel like there's a need in your body for mm-hmm. it and you refuse to make it happen. We need to make it happen. Okay. All right? we, but we'll outsource the editing. Of basically. course. Yeah, we'll we got to give it to Vargi. We'll give it to Vargi. Or, yeah. or outsource cool. it to China, you know? <laughs> is that that's <not>, bad <laughs> well you know i mean we, it's a true thing but it's like it's true. <laughs> well listen we're not a, a movie podcast we're not a comic book podcast we are a video game podcast we are here to serve the gamers and give them gaming news and that's what we're gonna do like we said they're hungry for it so let's give it to them guy I, <laughs> all right guy let's feed them jump onto this news train <laughs> chug a chug <laughs> i've got the save room news for you number one on here my friend activision confirms a new call of duty is releasing in 2020 in other news water is wet got a number two on here for you <laughs> who gives a fuck yeah i'm beyond caring at this point i'm sorry it's like taxes at this point yeah call like, of duty comes out and you have to pay your taxes you every know year. every year it's gonna happen like it's I, inevitable like and I, used to, I used to be a pretty ardent like fan of the series because i you know i say it almost every other episode mm-hmm. that we have to mention it i think the gameplay is really really sound the mechanics are mm-hmm. sound as fuck but uh, yeah the concept's thin now right mm-hmm. i'm i'm tired you buy it every year and i think your expectations they stay the same but you just get disappointed more and more I don't even know if it's like disappointed. It's like, it's it's like that um, Arrested Development meme mm-hmm. where he opens up the fucking uh, sandwich bag with a dead bird on it. There's a sign that says dead bird. Yeah. He opens and goes, I don't know what else I expected. That's Call of Duty these years. <laughs> it's like, That's I good. don't know what else I expected. It's not giving me anything new. Mm-hmm. I, okay, bye. What do you think they would have to do to change up the formula or do something new for like fans who have been on board since like the early 2000s i think it's a really easy answer and it's an answer activision will never subscribe to which is hold off on making one for five years okay <laughs> that's it that, uh, yeah i think that's kind of a smart approach like when ubisoft kind of did it with assassin's creed when they're like we're gonna step away from the every year approach mm-hmm. and then gave a more substantial game by doing it every other year and supporting that game then for two years full we got a better experience out of it because it's like you could tell that there was more quality uh year into year with the product where it's like this it's like they're just pumping them out year after year and granted they're different teams working on them but still like you're pumping them out at a high volume and they're they're not going to be any different because they can't be they can't be different yeah because you're pumping them out so fast they almost have to be the same and the thing that's crazy about it, it's like, I don't, 
it's not even a lazy thing or anything like that. Honestly, I think these games are incredibly difficult to make. Yeah, of course. They really are. And especially the time crunch that these studios are under mm -hmm. to push this puppy out on this very stringent release schedule that Activision is hammering out going like, this is this is what makes sense for our business. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, man, it probably sucks being uh, working for those studios. Yeah. No, it's got to be really tough. I mean, yeah. granted, they have three studios that are kind of in-house with Activision that work on these Call of Duties, right? Yeah. Yeah. They rotate back and forth here and there, right? So my question about this then, which studio th do you think is going to have the 2020 Call of Duty? Because what was Where it? Where are we at? Infinity Ward was last year. Uh-huh. So this next one's probably either going to be, what, Treyarch or Sledgehammer? I'm not sure. Raven was supposed to be doing one oh, as Raven? well. We reported on this before. The rumor was that the next one for 2020 was in trouble. So they actually got either Treyarch or one of the other studios to like backfill and mm -hmm. help with the project and bake in like a single player that there wasn't there before or something okay. like that. It, it's wild. And that just tells me like just hearing those stories, it's like, I don't know if this is like really working out for you guys in the mm -hmm. way you think. And Activision came out and said they do not expect that this year's title is going to outperform Modern Warfare did, uh, from last year. Mm -hmm. uh, just because we're in a transition between console generations. Sure. And also, I think they even they're aware like the excitement ain't quite there anymore. This is the same year that games like fucking Cyberpunk 2077 and Final Fantasy 7 are coming out. Like all these big linchpin titles. And it's like how exciting is another Call of Duty? But again, I don't think it really matters, right? Because when we looked at the NPD numbers from the 2010s, right? How many of those games were Call of Duty in the top 10? Eight. All of them. Eight. Like, Actually. almost all of them. So, like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yes, water is wet. Call of Duty is going to come out. It's always going to be the highest grossing game of the year. Even when it releases at the end of a year. Like, it's just how it's going to be. I think they just need to do something different. Um, maybe in their eyes, they don't see that they need to because they see the numbers at the end of the well, day. And they're like, it's selling. Help me out. But what is different? Like, what is different in your mind? Is it, like, take a break, or is it try to, like, reinvent the formula? Because I don't think the answer is reinventing the formula, necessarily. Because what the fuck else can you do with Call of Duty that won't make it not Call of Duty? Well, you I'm know? saying if the next title, say, is Black Ops, right? Uh -huh. And they continue on this uh, path of, let's keep pushing into the future. Let's do something, like, bigger and crazier and more out there with it. Like, no, that's not quite it. Like, take the series back to its roots for, like, say it is Black Ops do a reimagining maybe like i said last week do the modern or warfare approach like they did last last year with modern warfare mm -hmm. reel it in a little bit maybe give us different modes and that's it just tell a good story like really do that blending of bring your great multiplayer front which you're always going to bring because that is the mold for multiplayer games but also bring a great single player story too so do the same thing so do the same <laughs> nothing thing. sounds different there though right uh, like it yeah. sounds exactly what they have been yeah. doing for these games i think the fact is we're getting it every year mm -hmm. is what's tiring people out sure. no matter even if it's like a stellar title for, for all accounts modern warfare is a great game mm. it's just one of 19 that is the problem that's an overarching problem of you need to take a break on this series you need to get people need to have an appetite for these titles again and i think that's going away but at the same time activision from their perspective from a pure number perspective is like well we're still like the highest grossing game every year so fuck it right well they treat it like an nba game or mlb the show they literally treat yeah. it like those annual games that are just like we're just gonna put them out every year and briefly iterate on them and you're gonna buy it anyway because you that's what you're gonna buy you know hey, here's how you do it activision i got you what's his name bobby kotek bobby hey listen put your cigar down yeah. man put your cigar down now listen, actually just put it out on your crotch just put it out on that hooker that you bought now what i want you to do is take it into the future like you have been doing 
but go way past what you think the future is. Okay. I'm thinking, you remember the third act of AI? When it's so <laughs> far beyond humanity, everyone's just dead and weird fucking like glowy silvery aliens That's show up. That's pretty wild. And they're just like, what's going on, little Haley Joe Osmond? <laughs> and they dig him out of like the ocean that yep. froze over and became a non-ocean. I want a Call of Duty then. <laughs> I want a Call of Duty in the post-post-post-humanity. <laughs> <laughs> Give me warfare on a dilapidated earth that is growing with new life that we can't even think of anymore. My fucking, my uh, my airstrike is actually just a winged condor evolved creature made of light, oh, okay. light and, and blends between realities. And he's just dropping eggs on my enemies, right? Okay. Right? That's a lofty idea. Sorry, the but acid's it's kicking in. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my idea. Yep. And I know Activision's not going to listen to us here, but you want to set a Why Call of Duty in the future? Do you like Call of Duty meets Terminator? You Call know? of Duty meets Terminator. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, Daniel. Yeah. You hit it. You hit it. Why don't we just do a Dynasty Warriors approach to the Call of Duty series? It always has a license attached to it, man. Okay. Fucking, we'll do Fire Emblem Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's always the Call of Duty shooter mechanics, but it's a flavorful yeah. license that's going to get onboard fans that weren't fans of Call of Duty before. Yeah. Right? Perfect. Terminator. <laughs> I love it. I want to be Sarah Connor. Blasting, blasting, right? Blasting some termies. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they call the, them termies in the movies. They, do they really? Yeah, for sure. I don't know if they call them that. I'm pre- well, the script I was writing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is going to happen. Um, my thing is, like, even though I don't play Call of Duty every year, I sure as hell don't buy it every year, listening to it and hearing about it on the peripheral is even fatiguing, where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, another Call of Duty? Like, again? Honestly, that's a very salient point. Like, yeah. I saw today something on IGN about, like, you know, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare Season 2, and I, j- I scrolled right past it. Yeah. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> even seeing Call of Duty news is boring. Like, what the fuck? You need to put this franchise at rest. I think you... I know that they're grossing so much money, but I feel like they can come back bigger and ever, much like Rockstar does with GTA. Mm-hmm. GTA doesn't come out every year. And when it does, though, it's the biggest fucking it's release of all time. Yeah. Okay? Then you get games like GTA Five, which they'll fucking support till the end of time. Right. Exactly. And that's that's a thing, too, where it's like, why aren't they making games... They're spending so much money in these titles that they're not making something that they can um, platformize, mm-hmm. where we're going to support this over a huge stretch of time, not just 12 months. I don't think that's how the bean counters and investors see it. Like, they're mm-hmm. just looking at, like, how can we release a product every year? How can we fill the holiday season every year? Put out a new Call of Duty. Put out a new Call of Duty. Keep doing it. Right. I think what they honestly need to do, and... They need a new franchise. They need something that isn't necessarily Call of Duty that maybe plays like Call of Duty. Hmm. Just step away from the idea of like the Call of Duty brand and maybe be like, here's our new Activision shooter. All the same mechanics are there, but maybe it's a different universe. Maybe it's built around warfare mechanics, this and that, like same kill streaks or whatever. But the world's different, you know? You know what that's called? Hmm. Destiny. Destiny, yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Number two on here. <laughs> Now, this is this is a fun one. Uh, number two, a synopsis for Resident Evil's Netflix series has been leaked by Netflix. Might give it some legitimacy at that point. Was right? it on an autoplay feature? <laughs> well, first of all, thank the Lord. Years of tyranny are over. You can now turn off autoplay at Netflix. Oh my fucking God. Whoever came up with that. Whoever fucking came up with that. I hope they're nowhere near software or tech companies ever again. I don't know why anybody had to come up with it. 
in the first place. Why, why did that need to be a thing? Like, why did that need to be a yeah. thing? Why? Anyway, thank you. But now I actually feel like we've been reporting on Resident Evil TV show and movie rumors since we actually started this podcast. I'm not saying Capcom should sponsor us, but I am saying they should give us money. They should. That's all. Pay us. That's all. This news comes to us from Reset Era user Jaw Muncher, Jaw the Muncher. world's biggest Dino Crisis fan and ardent supporter of Leon Kennedy's Suplex. Shout out to you, Jaw Muncher. I actually tweeted at him and was like, "Yo, <laughs> you're on IGN right now." Yeah. And I told him like they didn't mention anything about your Dino Crisis fandom. He was like, "You win some, you lose some." <laughs> Fucking love that. Now this is uh, where he spotted a synopsis for the unannounced series from Netflix's own Media Center website that actually got pulled down since because it seems like it was a mistake. Um, The plot details are as follows, quote, The town Clearfield, Maryland, has long stood in the shadow of three seemingly unrelated behemoths, the Umbrella Corporation, the decommissioned Greenwood Asylum, and Washington, D.C. Today, 26 years after the discovery of the T-virus, secrets held by the three will start to be revealed at the first signs of outbreak. End quote. Now, despite the seemingly official source, fans should take this with a dash of salt given that we have no official announcement about the show. The very first signs of a series based on the franchise came from Constantin Films, the production company behind the six feature films that shambled into theaters. All the way back in 2014, actually. However, the whole fucking world ended by the third movie. These plot details seem to indicate that the Netflix show won't take place in the film continuity, which just... Makes me so fucking happy, man. I know. know. Uh, Now, but unfortunately for me, a fun fact I wrote down here is that the Resident Evil film franchise is actually the highest grossing film series based on a video game. All the films have grossed about uh, $1.2 billion worldwide. Yeah, we looked that up last night, and you're like, take a guess like as to how much you think they've all grossed. And yeah. I was like, probably like $800 million, no, and you're like, $1.2 billion. And I'm, like, I'm actually not surprised, because like those movies sell as bad as they are in our eyes. Like People want to go out and see them. I, I remember like when the I was... Walking Dead. It's like The Walking Dead. When I was... Um, I mean, I think that even The Walking Dead, as boring as it is, it's still better than what the fucking Resident Evil movies were. I'm just saying it's like this sort of like pinnacle TV event, The Walking Dead, rather, that like every year, even if it's bad, people are going to still tune in to watch it because like they're invested in it. For some reason, people are like invested in this Paul W.S. Anderson Resident Evil verse that he's built for one reason or another. For some reason. That or it's maybe just like, I don't know, when we go to the movies, we like to just take our head off of our shoulders and just unwind to dumb cinema and maybe that's what it is for people you know i i, I can see that right yeah. like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna cast any stones when i'm like fucking excited about f9 the fast saga coming out uh this may, may justice for han justice for han i just remember a time when i was working at remember playing trade back in the day oh geez somebody came in and was like asking about resident evil games and he was like yeah i, I feel like i've played a lot of them I played like four played five and mm. all that i'm just like you know why isn't Alice in the games? That's what I want. <laughs> and I, as a fan of the of the game series, I wanted to die a mm-hmm. little on the inside. I think having having aged more, like I get it, I get it. Like some of the movies are fun, as stupid as they are. I just, I really like the plot line from the games, especially one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. And I have not, I have yet to see any sort of adaptation bring to life that tone mm-hmm. and that story. And my hope is that this TV series picks up on that, right? This this sounds cool. Yeah. This I, sounds interesting. From what I can recall, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, we've never had a Resident Evil set around an asylum. No, so that's I don't kind think of a, so. that's a unique setting for it. And you could honestly start with a very like personal tale, maybe surrounding on one character, whether new or established. 
We have the thought that it's probably going to be br- brand new characters, right? I think so, too. I don't think they're going to adapt any game characters. Okay. So, yeah, you can focus on them, and then you can build the universe around them. If there's interplay with, like, uh, Umbrella Corporation and then the U.S. government <laughs> building off this big idea that this is 26 years after the T-Virus and, like, there's a new outbreak happening, like, you can tell, like, a very small story at first, and then maybe season two or whatever builds into, like, a more global picture of it. Right. Escalate it, so. right? That, I think, yeah, again, I'm I'm digging on mm-hmm. that a lot. And especially the, the undertones of... Um, corporate corruption and conspiracy between like government and corporations Mm -hmm. that is a very very modern modern notion to play with right for a resident evil series to play with that that's the shit that i was like that's what i like one two and three Mm -hmm. and then the rest of the series went fucking anime on me for a little while until they brought it back with seven thank you seven for fucking throwing that world saturation bullshit out the door (laughs) although no characters from seven will be fun in marvel versus capcom i guess I don't know. I always concede that Jack Baker would be a lot of fun. Welcome to the family. Is it special? Oh, yeah. Well, he brings yeah. out the fucking like scissor chainsaw. Okay. I'll or give he, you like, that. Maybe his special is he gets in the fucking car and he chases you down with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that. I'll yeah. give you that. But yeah, I, I'm interested in this. And it sounds like there's another rumor that was a uh, really unsubstantiated. I didn't write about it, but um, some German firm, basically, the, the guys that leaked um, uh, Witcher netflix plot details mm-hmm. has said that development on the show is beginning in june they're going to start going okay. into full swing production so we might see this thing in as soon as next year okay damn. and i'm like i'm down dude and the idea is that it might be an eight episode arc and i'm like that's perfect yeah that was actually going to be my next question yeah. like where do you think this series would hit its sweet spot for a first season i think eight, eight episodes yeah. is like there's no filler we're getting straight to the point i think there's enough to play with right there witcher th- did the same thing where it was a very kind of a short season but it got to the point i think stranger things actually kind of gave us that expectation where it's like yeah. eight eight episodes in a season can build a strong enough story that, to give you everything you need without there being filled filler or being unnecessary moments and it makes it super bingeable yeah as well which is like kind of the cornerstone of that platform versus um you know walking dead has like what 26 episodes a season and it's just like half of them are boring or it's a lot unrelated to the plot or worse than that you have really integral parts of the plot sprinkled in episodes you don't care about Mm. i hate that shit man bring it back down Watchmen uh, on hbo (sighs) nice sweet nine episodes fucking drilled home its point every single episode and then was done awesome do and that. that's all it's gonna be that's all you need to do and that's awesome there's another rumor going around that the show is about the daughters of wesker and i'm like i don't know what you're trying to tie what into what at this Wait, point what he has daughters okay i don't know apparently okay i don't know i don't care about trying to connect it hard with mm. characters that we know from the games I just wanted to connect to the tone and concepts sure. that make it good. Yeah. So give me new characters. Give me a new outbreak. Give me um, umbrella logos galore and I will be happy. Just don't have people fucking backflipping off of walls and mm. kicking zombie dogs in the face. That's when that shit gets like, yeah. boring to me. I think inevitable we are going to have zombies in this first season. And if you're going to play with the T-Virus, I think it might be safe to say there might be a tyrant figure. Oh, uh, yeah. Why not? You know, why not have maybe somebody who was experimented on and maybe got put in the asylum and maybe broke out or maybe it's just like terrorizing them I'm going to cast him right now. Who? Uh, the guy who played the mountain in Game of Thrones in the oh. last season. He should play like a Mr. X type. I don't know his name, but he's I don't know really his name good. either. Yeah. He would be really good. He looks like a tyrant already. A living tyrant. He looks unstoppable. He's so strong. Very strong. That or give it to Dwayne Johnson. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> imagine he shows up. <laughs> No, we want him as Chris Redfield. That's what I want. Do we? 
I do. Okay, I don't know. I don't care who he is. I want him to be... I think he's too old. <gasps> I guess 26 years into the history of, like, Umbrella in this franchise, eh, maybe he's not too old, because it's definitely established at that point. But that means the, the, the Rock, a god amongst men, has human mortality, and that one day we'll lose him. No, Daniel! Listen, Kevin, he's not like the Scorpion King. He's not going to live forever. He will, and he <laughs> will be half Scorpion and beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Number three on here... Uh, Xbox Boss. I love that. Xbox Boss. That should be a show name. Xbox, Xbox Boss. Boss. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the new Netflix documentary. No, it it's probably a, be on, like, a drone Amazon. sweep over Redmond, Washington. Like, just a, <laughs> <laughs> That's how it starts. Like, every documentary. <laughs> Number three on here is Xbox Boss says the real competition isn't Nintendo and Sony. It's actually Amazon and Google. Now, let me let me preface, I don't have to do this very often, but yes, full disclosure, I work for Amazon. I'm program manager for the company. However, I am not related to any gaming sector, and nor do I have any news about any plans about what Amazon wants to do in gaming. There you go. Oh, okay. okay. So I was going to turn this into an interview segment, Were and you? now I have to... Ooh. Yeah. What? Fuck, I had 20 questions for you. What have you heard? Yeah, what, <laughs> like, what's the skinny? I have no information at all. It's yeah. not even like I'm retaining information or withholding information. I have none. I know nothing, all Wait, right? Wait, so rumors about the Bezo box aren't true? <laughs> what does that mean? The, the Bezo, Bezo box? box? Yeah. A bo- or, it's the Bezo box. Oh, okay. It's a new gaming box. I thought you said out. Bezo bots as in like Sentinels were going <laughs> to show up one day. That's crazy. Yeah. Delivering you packages. That's a Black Mirror episode waiting to happen. Human. Yeah? Your manscaped razor has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> in an interview with tech website Protocol, Xbox head Phil, fill in the heat Spencer, shared his thoughts about the future and who he thinks will pose a legitimate threat to his company. <laughs> that sounds so devious, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's sitting in a fucking armchair with like the, the Series X behind him lighting the room <laughs> with its green kind of eerie hues. And he's just like, it's actually like levitating behind him like Mewtwo (laughs) his chair is levitating something's levitating in here anyway his quote was this when you talk about Nintendo and Sony we have a ton of respect for them but we see Amazon and Google as the main competitors going forward that's not to disrespect Nintendo and Sony but the traditional gaming companies are somewhat out of position I guess I could try to recreate Azure but we've invested tens of billions of dollars in cloud over the years end quote Now, while Microsoft is set to release new hardware this holiday with the Xbox Series X, the tech giant has dedicated major resources into xCloud, the game streaming service poised to launch sometime in 2020. Phil made it clear that the gaming space will move past the console wars and morph into a cloud war. And that's a war Sony and Nintendo aren't prepared to fight. Quote, I don't want to be in a fight over format wars with those guys while Amazon and Google are focusing on how to get gaming to 7 billion people around the world. Ultimately... That's the goal, end quote. So I found this interesting because I think it speaks to Microsoft's mentality, or I should say Xbox's mentality going forward. We talked about in previous episodes that they're really shoring up on this idea of like xCloud and integration with Game Pass. That is the value that they want to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And we both like kind of like looked at the news that, oh, Halo Infinite's going to come out and it's for Series X, but it'll work on Xbox One as well. And Mm -hmm. we're just like, so wait, what's the reason to get an Xbox Series X? Yeah. And the answer in there, somewhere in there, is maybe hardware is not that important to them because the way they think, that's not the future. That's not where they need to be developing their business. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of that 
are the hits, the lumps that they took for Xbox One. Sure. They said to themselves that, like, literally, this shit can turn overnight. Mm-hmm. We were the successor for most of the 360 generation, mm-hmm. and then it took an instant turn. And that's what can happen in the hardware business when you fight on that turf. But these companies aren't fighting on a more expansive turf. How do you get games to people that maybe don't want to engage with hardware mm-hmm. or don't have the means to? Figure that out, and you've just unlocked the world to yourselves. Sony and Nintendo aren't thinking on those terms. They're thinking, how do we sell you our box? Microsoft says, how do we get you into our ecosystem? That's mm-hmm. the whole thing, right? Yeah. So I think they're playing in two different ballparks right now. I don't think that hardware is going to go away. I think Sony is going to continue to double down and fight on their hardware front because that's what they've always been able to deliver on. They had one generation where, I, and I put this loosely, they lost. And I don't even see their loss in the PS3 generation as a huge loss. Actually, they turned it around. I think they actually outsold toward the end of it. They turned PS3. it around. They had great fucking exclusives. They made an ushering into PlayStation Plus as a good value prospect for um, consumers. They did a lot to turn the platform around going to PS4. I think Xbox can leverage a statement like this because they've always kind of been behind in the console space, in the hardware space. In, in a lot of ways, because, well, they're not traditionally... Microsoft isn't from gaming like Nintendo is, like Sony is. So Nintendo and Sony are always going to make these pushes, but like when Microsoft is like, ooh, they're, they're taking their hits and they're seeing where they're failing and falling behind, then they have to start thinking outside of the box. That's when they got innovative. They're like, okay, what can we do? We'll do Project X Cloud. We will do this cloud initiative that will change the face of gaming forever. Mm-hmm. And... While that is true, I don't think it's going to, um, I mean, it'll push probably Nintendo and Sony to like kind of think on their heels a little bit and try and adapt and do something similar. We've seen it. We've seen it with PlayStation Now. We've seen it with various uh, cloud-based services that Sony is now trying to offer. But I don't think it's ever going to make them veer away from their hardware. Ever? No, I don't think so. I think so. Absolutely, it will. I, I don't think so. I think, thank you. <laughs> I, th- I think wherever there is Nintendo, there is going to be hardware. Mm-hmm. Like, that is what they're known for. They are known for their hardware. I think when the game changes, and the game here is that we're taking away the concept of you being able to enjoy these products on an isolated piece of hardware. Mm-hmm. It's going to be integrated with whatever you have, whatever yeah. you have the means of access to. Mm-hmm. That is a game changer. And we're seeing that right now, it is baby steps. It sure. is so tiny. Like, Google Stadia fucking mm-hmm. fell on their own dick. We see, uh, I forget who it was, the GE Force is trying to do something mm-hmm. like that. I forget the name of it. And, and then even for cloud solutions on Sony's front, they are dependent on Microsoft to make that happen. Mm-hmm. In that they're actually harnessing uh, Azure the cloud computing service that Microsoft owns in order to, you know, as a solution for them. Mm. So I think when you change the nature of the game, it's like war changes, right? Like we're going to say like, yeah, they're always going to make a hardware. Well, what if no one's buying hardware one day? They're not always going to make hardware. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be one of those things where we see it in five years and suddenly it's like Nintendo doesn't make consoles anymore. I don't think that's like, I see where you're coming from there, but I will say like fucking give it a decade, give it 15 years. Everything that we're talking about, everything we're doing now, will be completely changed. I think it'll be completely changed. I think we're definitely moving towards more of a step of integration, Mm -hmm. like cloud gaming, cloud solutions being integrated into the hardware. 
But I don't think for Nintendo and Sony it's going to go away. We're going to see evolutions for them. We see Sony now trying to do things with um, PlayStation Now and them trying to offer it on different services. I think there was a talk for them to like try and actually bring it to the Switch or bring it or to... Or was like, it mobile? Was yeah, it mobile? or mobile actually, yeah. yeah, where you can play it on like your phone or stuff. And like that's a cool little step in a different direction, but I don't see them abandoning their hardware. I just don't. Not now. Yeah they will like that and i think microsoft sees that Mm -hmm. i think they really do and that's why i'm like i'm not counting them as being foolhardy or misguided in their approach here i think they're they're really shoring up early and that's Mm -hmm. why they're trying to subset by saying like we're still offering hardware right now but this will happen there will not be consoles one day this is why i think they think differently right because like i said before they are like a tech company that got into gaming basically and i think they always had a dual brain about it where they kind of saw like ways to like kind of move the medium forward in interesting mm-hmm. ways for themselves like their integration with like ui for twitch and streaming that they did pretty early on that kind of beat sony down that they kind of got the leverage with with um like how do you mean streaming integration on like the xbox yeah for xbox one rather it was more ui friendly more streamlined for stuff like that because they were finding ways to make better solutions for that and make it more accessible for people i think they both came out with it at the same time i i know xbox integrates with mixer right now because they own mixer but they always had kind of a shitty twitch integration okay but like i don't think um playstation had a better twitch integration either mm-hmm. yeah like and i get that like it more in- user friendly but they integrate in a way yeah like integrate to hardware and that makes sense right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think that'll always make sense. And I'm the more I hear about it, the more these conversations happen, and the more that I'm seeing that they're he's right. They spent tens of billions of dollars into cloud. Mm-hmm. There is a reason for that. That's not that's not for novelty. Mm-hmm. There is a big reason they're doing that. And of course there's other services and other things that they're using that sure. go way past video games. Video games is just like one little output, mm-hmm. a part of this larger kind of um, strategy that they have for their future as a business. And I think it's gonna it's gonna change the platform. And I think maybe the fact that like like you're saying, companies like Nintendo that are so uh, hardware based, mm-hmm. they're gonna run into big problems one day when they are very, very behind. I think the name is still gonna carry them forward for mm-hmm. sure, but Ah, uh, the thing is, Microsoft ain't playing in five-year terms. They're playing in fucking 20-year terms. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, they're playing with the idea of long-term yeah. tech. Like, where hardware gets outdated within, like, mm-hmm. seven years, they're thinking of, like, what's hardware, what's an idea, a tech idea that won't become outdated? Right. Cloud tech. Like, we can iterate on that through software and ideas and, and c- keep burgeoning that platform. Yeah, that's that's kind of my point. The other guys ain't mm-hmm. making plays like that, because they are thinking small, to yeah. be honest with you. I think for them, like, we see Sony trying to use, like, Azure, and we see Nintendo making deals with Microsoft in little ways. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to come down to partnerships. If they can't figure out how to do it themselves, the best way to do it is to partner with people who do. Right. And that's where we're going to see that sort of blending of the, the console war where we see overlap and partnerships happen. And then we're going to find out that all these technologies were dependent on Google all along. <laughs> and they take over and everything's Stadia. All the logos turn to Stadia real quick. You're like, what the fuck is happening to me? So I want to say something here then, because mm-hmm. Xbox boss, Phil the Heat Spencer, says that <laughs> Sony and Nintendo aren't the competition. Amazon and Google are. Correct. But where do we see Amazon and Google in that space right now? Like, they're really just kind of coming up out of nothing. So, uh, like, once once again, I'm just going to talk about fact, sure. right? Amazon has AWS, Amazon okay. Web Services. Half of the video games you t- to play right now mm-hmm. are dependent on that service okay. to bring you online features like leaderboards, suites, and connectivity, mm-hmm. and multiplayer components all together. They have been 
making moves for their business in different ways where companies in the gaming space are completely dependent, but on a forward, on like let's say on a surface level, no one thinks of Amazon as like, oh, they're a gaming company or they, mm-hmm. they may have game studios, but yeah. only just now are we saying, uh, seeing, uh, what is it, Brave New World or no, it's the name of a book. I think it's just called New World, mm-hmm. their MMO coming out this year. And then there's been a few mobile game stuff. So we don't think of them readily as being like, oh, you're a contender in the gaming space. And yet they have millions of dollars invested in gaming right now as we speak i mean yeah you look at the like they own twitch they look at the stuff they do in the back end so they're doing moves (laughs) in other ways where it's like maybe even they they don't see the necessary prospect in having a console much like google right with stadia they're like okay it's not going to be hardware that you own it's more going to be this platform that we can integrate Right. So they're thinking in that same way that Microsoft is, for sure. And then the big, big, big rumors, and these are just rumors, again, I don't know anything about this, mm. is that Amazon's going to come out with their own cloud gaming stream service. Mm. Like, that's going to happen okay. as well, and because they already have the technology to make it happen. <laughs> so mm. they might come in and basically go like, ha ha, Google. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But again, that's, that's exactly why Phil is saying this. He says, these two are doing things that we don't readily think of mm-hmm. as being game changers. They are. Yeah. They absolutely are. That's why he's thinking super long term, and that's why I don't think he's threatened by fucking uh, a new Switch Lite coming out. You know what I'm saying? He is threatened by somebody saying to themselves, how do we get games into the hands of 7 billion people? And the answer is, don't make them spend two to $500 on hardware. Mm-hmm. It's integrate with whatever they have at the ready. I mean, that that yeah. is a smart approach, yeah. obviously, but that's coming from somebody who lost last console generation. So <laughs> it's like they really do have to like make up the ground in interesting ways. And if they can't sell their hardware, well, they can sell their games in other fashion. Yeah, the answer is don't fight there. Don't anymore, fight there, right? Yeah. So you lost change that fight, the battleground. Don't fight there anymore, yeah. and make everyone else go up against the ropes because they're going to turn around and be like, "Oh shit, mm-hmm. that business is really grown." Uh oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that may happen, man. Oh, Phil, what a smart man. Yeah, we should get him a beer. We should day. get him at least a beer. One beer, Phil. We've seen you at two. Two beer, Phil's not a guy I want to hang out with. No, he's a rallier and he says some pretty controversial stuff. Yeah. Oh, speaking of people saying pretty controversial stuff, I've got a number four on you, <laughs> on here for you from Cliff Blazinski, musing on why lawbreakers failed. The verdict: it was just too woke. <laughs> Was it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You, don't you remember the most woke game of uh, 2017, Lawbreakers? N- no? No. Do you remember a game called Lawbreakers? I think I heard it in my sleep once. <laughs> I think I saw a trailer. I thought it was yeah. like a PC only thing. Yeah, I thought it was a Norman Reedus thing coming to AMC. <laughs> I think I think your problem here was that nobody knew what Lawbreakers was, my yeah. friend. Anyway, so opened in 2014, Boss Key production shut down in 2018 with two games to its name. The gravity-defying hero shooter Lawbreakers and the Battle Royale Radical Heights. Last week, industry figurehead and studio founder Cliff Blazinski posted on Instagram his thoughts on where it all went wrong. Quote, Ever since the studio closed, I've been racking my brain what I could have done differently. Pivot hard when the juggernaut of Overwatch was announced, but been less nice with my design ideas and more of a dictator with them. Wow. First of all, wow. 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 (laughs) Wow. Uh, He goes on to say, one big epiphany I had was that I pushed my own personal political beliefs in a world that was increasingly divided. Instead of the story being, this game looks neat, it became, this is the game with the woke bro trying to push his hacky politics on us with gender neutral bathrooms. Instead of, 
these characters seem fun. It was, this is the studio with the CEO who refuses to make his female character sexier. Instead of, who am I going to choose? It became, white dude shoehorns diversity in his game and then smells his own smug farts in interviews. Instead of just letting the product speak for itself. End quote. I can take a breath on that one. Why bother? Cliff B did it. The former Gears of War designer added that it's fine for a studio to be political only when they have proven product first. You, you, you hear that, Capcom? You hear that, Naughty Dog? Just go ahead. Yeah, you can go ahead. That's we, why Overwatch was clearly a success when Lawbreakers <laughs> wasn't. Overwatch is just as woke, if not more woke, but there's proven concept there, you know? I'm trying to digest his statements, and I think he's taking the wrong le- learning lessons from the failure of this game. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the answer that goes into it is timing. If you're identifying Overwatch as a competitor or, or the enemy uh, for your own game, it's probably timing. It's probably how the messaging was marketed, right? Mm-hmm. I don't remember anybody having a conversation going like, we need to boycott this game because there's gender-neutral bathrooms in it. N- no, dude. It looked like a generic fucking shooter mm-hmm. that was badly marketed and was uh, from a studio founded by the industry's biggest fucking loudmouth. Yeah. Like, I honestly, I don't like that guy very much. I mean, I would say second only to Randy Pitchford. Yeah, he he comes from that, like, old school generation of game developers that are just like, wave your dick around and make edgy experiences. And as we move into generations where it's like, hey, there's more perspectives and more mindsets and people Mm -hmm. are generally chiller (laughs) instead of trying to be a name in the industry like that. They just look like old fogies that mm. are just shouting into the wind. Yeah. Going like, gamers these days, oh, these, these guys, they, they can't take my political wokeness. And I'm just like, do you really actually subscribe or ascribe to those beliefs? Because you sound like the idiots on Reddit screaming about it instead. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, how are you going to call out and be like, yeah, they just couldn't take my wokeness. And like, when you actually seem like you're lambasting the idea of said, quote, wokeness, unquote. I think this all comes from a man who has a bruised ego on a game that maybe he believed in that just didn't do well. And he's scrambling to figure out the zeitgeist at the time and maybe figure out why it didn't work. And I think it's exactly, as you said, timing and bad marketing. You're you're trying to do a hero-based shooter when that is being done in fucking spades in that time. 2016 had Overwatch. It had... Battleborn, it had what? Paragon, it had all these fucking games, mm-hmm. and then Lawbreakers comes out, and I didn't even hear about it. So, like, if you really want to push your game, I think you have to have good marketing first, um, especially if you want it to stand against these titans in the industry. Um, have it something be unique in its experience. What did Lawbreakers bring to the table that Overwatch or all these other games didn't? I don't know, because I didn't hear a thing about it. Yeah, that, that's the question so... to be asked at a time when it's like, wow, it seems like we're getting a lot of this type of game. What separates yours? And they never really had a defining answer for that. It was kind of like, uh, well, we capitalized the B in Lawbreakers because, you know. Cause, that's so woke. Because it's like, we could put a slash there, Law and Breakers. It's like, what, what the fuck? It's yeah. a bad name to begin with, man. Yeah, B for Breakers, law. B for Blazinski. It works. There actually wasn't any law enforcement in the game, from what <laughs> I understand. <laughs> they were just defying gravity. Why don't they call it... Uh, gravity grabbers that would have been a better name 
Goobal gobbies. <laughs> Literally anything than what they fucking said it was. I don't know. This, this is the dude going around. I remember back in the day, um, Capcom was having problems with like the Resident Evil series, like mm-hmm. its identity, where like it did way more action based. Yeah. And he came out of nowhere, like in some publication, and was like, "Give me the reins on Resident Evil. I'll make the scariest fucking game ever made." And I'm just like, "Dude, the balls on you! Yeah, the absolute balls on you to go around telling people like how games should be. <laughs> like, I don't, I just don't like that guy. You can I'm tell so that sorry. he uses Manscape because he's all balls. He's all balls. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. I yeah, I don't care. I mean, I it it's a bummer that you had a game that you probably believed in that came and went and nobody talked about and probably didn't sell well and it, it sucks that bosky productions got shut down after like you know two games that people believed in but it's yeah. just the gaming industry is hard the market is hard when there's oversaturation for things you really do especially now in this games of service ecosystem you have to have something that is proven that uh really tells people or Rather, really gives people a reason why they need to play that over the next thing. And Lawbreakers just wasn't it for people. And that's it just kind of what it is. Very simply, didn't speak to people. Yeah. That's yeah. it, Cliff. Sorry, dude. Sorry. Can't wait for your memoir. Yeah. Number five on here, my friend. Millennials prefer PlayStation, <laughs> whereas Generation Z favors Xbox, according to a new study. And thus, the console wars are reignited. <laughs> <laughs> See, whatever we just said about item number three, it's all no gone. longer matters. It's all gone. The yeah. console wars are back. <laughs> now it's a fucking age war. Uh, this interesting tidbit comes to us from Forbes's Paul Tassie. A marketing agency called MBLM has been conducting a survey over the last decade called the Brand Intimacy Study. Mm. The goal of the study is to understand which name brands people connect with the most. Incredibly, both millennials, or people born between 1981 and 1996, and Gen Z, which encompasses people born between 1995 and 2012, I don't understand why that overlap exists, (laughs) uh, picked a video game company as their favorite brand. Both of them. We're at least united in that. Okay. Branding. (laughs) Branding. Except the millennials picked PlayStation and Gen Z chose Xbox. Why? Well, we may not know until February 14th when the full brand intimacy study is released. We at least have a top 10 list sorted by millennial interest. And since I'm a millennial, it's all that really matters. (laughs) Number one is, of course, PlayStation, as mentioned before. Number two is Amazon. Number three is Target or Target, if you're Mm. a real millennial. Uh, Number four is Disney. Number five is Ford. Number six is Jeep. I would expect Honda to be up there, right? Wait, just Jeep? Just Jeep. <laughs> just the idea of Jeeps? Just Jeep. Okay. <laughs> hey, just Jeep. Just Jeep. <laughs> That's our new slogan. Number seven is Apple. Number eight is YouTube. I love my YouTube. Number nine is Xbox. And number 10 for us is Nintendo. Okay. Wow. Looks uh, like we don't care about Nintendo as much as uh, as much as people send them. I mean, I would move Nintendo up there just above Jeep. But I don't just think below so, man. Ford for sure. I don't think so. Yeah. I think uh, I think so. Millennials. I, I was ni- I was 1990 mm. myself. In 1993, we got a big impact to our lives. It was called Jurassic Park, which was filled with jeeps. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Okay, filled with jeeps and and Daniel Daniel yeah. Ford Explorers. So maybe that's what the millennials are really pining for—the reverie of Alan <laughs> of and Jurassic the jeep. Park specifically. <laughs> Ford and Jeep are right next to each other. Okay, makes sense. We're all. I don't know why. Like it's since dinosaur is not a brand that would be on this list. <laughs> <laughs> how very interesting yeah what why do you think that the younger set likes xbox more i i why would it speak to the younger audience than playstation who has more skin in the game 
Um, I honestly probably think it's what Xbox has geared their market towards. Um, I look at the Xbox 360 generation and even Xbox One and, and what was it really about? Uh, multiplayer experiences. Mm. When I hear about my friends who are playing Call of Duty or Halo, or, well, obviously Halo is going to be on Xbox, but like when I hear about those multiplayer experiences, most of my the people that I knew or knew of, they're like, oh, I play an Xbox exclusively for that. And I think that's what a lot of that generation was looking for in games they wanted gaming experiences that they could play with their friends mm-hmm. and maybe we come from an older type maybe an older school of thought we definitely like, come from an older type for sure we're like we were raised on classic video game experiences that evolved over time you know playstation and then nintendo 64 and then the idea of first party ip that bred really great narrative experiences and for us like you know that was born in, you know, Nintendo and PlayStation's uh, wheelhouse. I mean, you, you're kind of the one where you go where the good games are. So whether it's Xbox or PlayStation, you'll do both because you're a gamer and you want to go where the experiences Don't are. Don't call me a gamer. But I think um, when you can't necessarily afford to pl- like buy every console that comes out, you're going to play where your friends are. You know? Yes, always, so. always, 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 right? And when it comes to like just looking at it, it's 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 true. It's, these kids were born in 1995 between 2012. Mm-hmm. That is the generation being born into the information age, mm-hmm. the social media age. Mm-hmm. So Gen Z is more prone to want social experiences yep. at everything because that's come as expectation. Maybe it's a chicken and the egg situation. Is it really the want of the generation or is it that they were born into the fact that corporations like you want multiplayer, mm-hmm. don't you kids? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's one of those things. But I think you're right where these this younger set is more used to these multiplayer experiences like Fortnite. I keep on thinking Fortnite. Mm-hmm. It's like for us, we look at Fortnite with like scrutiny in our eyes. Yeah. Right. Like we've played it. And we're like, yeah, this is cool. But like, I don't know. Because we come from that old school of like, I'd really just like a good story game. Mm-hmm. Like I'd really just like a maybe an RPG experience or something. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a, a kid would be like, so it's free and I get to hop on with all of my friends. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, I also look at too, like look at um, what a lot of early content creators were doing. I look at um, Rooster Teeth with like Red I thought you were about Blue. to say, I look at you and I was like, thanks, man. I look at you. And then you're just like, oh. <laughs> no, but I look at um, Rooster Teeth with like Red versus Blue. I look at... Uh, I look at the early streamers who um, were prolific for streaming games like Call of Duty, and it's all based around multiplayer experiences. So if you have people on a bigger scale, like on YouTube, Twitch, or otherwise, playing multiplayer games, they're like, oh shit, that's hot. I can play that with my friends. And then this word of mouth buzz is created, and then everybody Mm. wants to play those games with their friends, you know? So you're saying um, millennials look at that and just go like, ah, I'm tired. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're tired. We're, we're more. That's, that's how I look at I it. I think we're more able to think for ourselves. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> um, no, no, it's um. These these children are plagued by the brands. I I don't think that like it's an exclusivity thing. Like the ideas aren't mutually exclusive. Obviously, a Gen Z can come along and be like, oh shit, the stuff that Sony's doing is pretty hype. Last of Us Part Two looks great. But I think as a whole, it is the generation they were born into, the information age, and the idea of always playing and being connected online, and that's just kind of what it is. Okay. Well, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Number six on here. Blizzard is offering refunds for Warcraft 3 Reforged. No questions asked. Wow. Hey, Todd. 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 Take notes. Todd. Todd. We haven't haven't addressed you in a while, Todd. Todd, this is pretty good, Todd. I mean, it's it's not a good thing, but it's it's pretty good what they did, dude. Yeah. Come on, Todd. So, last Friday, Blizzard posted... Todd. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Last Friday, Blizzard posted on Battle.net their refund policy for the recently released remaster of 20, oh, sorry, 2002's Warcraft 3. No problem, basically. <laughs> the post reads, quote, Blizzard stands by the quality of our products and our services. Normally, we set limits for refund availability on a game based on time since purchase and whether it has been used. Don't touch our digis, you know what I'm saying? However, we want to give players the option of a refund if they feel that Warcraft 3 Reforge does not provide the experience they wanted. So, we've decided to allow refunds upon request for the time being. And quote now the, the the big thing for me is like i don't play these uh these nerd games turbo tax mm-hmm. 2019 and whatever the fuck on the pc but mm-hmm. i wanted to know what was the why why are people upset about this game so i did some digging all yeah right? you did some like great sleuthing here you were jason trier's protege in this instance where i was like okay yeah a game came out that people weren't happy about okay sounds like the typical gamer thing where it didn't meet expectations but the why of it was really what drove you and i think the why of it is really fascinating here so Announced at BlizzCon 2018, Blizzard promised the game would be more than a simple remaster. It would be a reimagining of the strategy classic. Mm -hmm. In an article for Polygon describing why fans feel burned by Reforge, Charlie Hall writes, quote, Blizzard wasn't just going to tweak the game balance and make things a little prettier. It was going to add voiceover and remake in-engine cutscenes to modernize them and bring them in line with the lore of the MMO. At one point, Blizzard even planned on some light story retconning, which it later walked back on, end quote. In the final product, however, in-game cutscenes fall short of that promise, with awkward voiceovers and stilted animations that don't match promotional videos Blizzard released for the game. Worse than that, the game is plagued with connectivity issues that prevents players from accessing custom games, Worser than that, Blizzard updated the original Warcraft 3's network structure to adopt the online service used for Reforge, meaning both titles suffer the same problems. Blizzard released a statement last week promising that patches were on the way to address connection and animation issues, as well as a big update to add missing leaderboards and clans. However, Blizzard affirmed that in-game cutscenes would remain as they are in order to, quote, preserve the true spirit of Warcraft 3 and allow players to relive these unforgettable moments as they were, end quote. Let me tell you what, gamers don't forget. No, they do not. (laughs) The memory on this one's going to be long. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, for for a company that really needs some good optics these days, Mm -hmm. this is one of those things it did not need. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I don't think, like, Warcraft 3 is probably, like, you know, the hugest visibility game out there. Mm -hmm. But I do think it has very, very loyal followers. And to have fans, like, jump onto a product and, and say, like, what the fuck is this? It's not a good look, right? Like, that sucks, you know? Well, especially for a game that's been coveted since 2002. This game has 18 years of legacy. And I think, like, what they probably boosted up at uh, that BlizzCon in 2018 had people hyped and really excited. But the thing is, like, you can promise so much with the idea of, like, bulk shots and, like, you know, flashy cutscenes. And then when push comes to shove and you actually have to develop it and do it, it's sometimes easier to not put them in. It's kind of crazy. Or, or I cut corners. Yeah, exactly. I, I was watching some some video side by sides before where they were showing these in game cutscenes mm-hmm. and like a promotional trailer that they had. It wasn't like oh this huge CG fucking thing mm-hmm. that they did. No, it looked like it was in game. Yeah, and it had like dramatic uh, scene cuts and and cinematics and such. 
And then I looked at what the actual game is, and it's basically like what they do in Diablo, where you walk up to a character and dialogue scrolls on the screen, and you just stand there looking at a fucking isometric view the entire time. Yep. And then the idea of the cutscene is, okay, now we're going to walk and talk. Yeah. And we're going to be in a new area, and then something, there might be an actual cutscene that happens after that. Right. It's just like, uh, this doesn't look like what you guys said you would do. The thing is, like, it isn't a complete visual remake of it. It is, like kind of upgraded in little ways and up and it looks like it's supposed to be smoother but like they didn't fucking do the capcom like resident evil 2 to resident evil 2 remake approach like they didn't rebuild it in the same fashion no they didn't um and so to have them kind of over promise on what the remaster is going to be yeah. is a little awkward and also the fact that it just like doesn't run very well right now and also why the fuck would you fuck the original warcraft 3 that's the fuckery of it all. That's right? the weirdest thing. Just let that like, be its own thing. Let it's people okay. play it if they It's want. okay if you push this thing as a remaster, because like remasters I think are there's still work, obviously. You're still putting a lot of effort Absolutely. and asset and development into it, but it's not nearly the same tier of like rebuilding a game and doing a remake. Yeah. So you can do a remaster and have it deliver a certain level of quality, but keep it separate from the original game. Yeah. Because if you're doing this integration that people aren't happy with and then it fucks up the original game too you're really you're destroying your plant your uh, fan base yeah you're really really hurting your fans there like what like, i don't understand that they did another thing too they updated their terms and conditions within the game uh-huh. when it comes to the custom games that you can make including modding mm-hmm. and now it's like basically anything that you make in the game blizzard totally owns and you can't do anything else with it and this is in direct response to the fact that a long time ago <laughs> Some intrepid fans out there made a Warcraft 3 mod that eventually spawned off into what we know as Dota, which was later Ooh. picked up by Valve and has made Valve billions of fucking dollars as Dota 2. Damn. You could tell Blizzard was just like, how can we make sure that never, ever fucking happens to us again? Was that one of Valve's first like really big IPs? No. No? Definitely not. Like, um, what, Counter-Strike? uh half-life is half-life. valve's first oh half okay. yeah yeah okay. but uh back in 98 um okay. no no th- this came out like after the fact dota 2 is actually i would eh, i wouldn't call it recent but it's definitely like what like 2008 2009 mm. some, somewhere around there but yeah oh my god could you imagine like somebody somebody made like a really cool custom match out of our game mm-hmm. they're a millionaire now yeah. <laughs> yeah that's why we don't see it happening now with companies like sony with dreams and nintendo with mario maker like those gate if you're creating levels it belongs to nintendo or sony like that's the kind of shit that you see like in the old 80 movies where there's a lawyer speeding down the highway in the convertible with a car phone and they're just slamming their car phone against the fucking yeah. dash like what the fuck what the fuck we just lost billions jim <laughs> fuck what you fucked me you fucked my family you fucked everyone i know and then that fucking rep went on a coke bender he was already on coke yeah he just did more coke there's only more or nominal amount of coke yeah so this is obviously an instance of over promising and under delivering and fans being disappointed yeah i definitely respect blizzard's response and that they're like hey we'll give you free refunds like yeah we'll call we'll call a spade a spade here and acknowledge we fucked up and really didn't deliver a game you wanted and ruin the original experience so here are refunds like it's better than like what we saw last year and the year before with fallout 76 and and, todd i'm sorry i don't want to drag you like this but you were you were supposed to be the chosen one you were supposed (laughs) to be the dovakin todd but no i i respect blizzard at least um for 
you know, shoring up and being like, okay, we'll give you refunds. And maybe it's because they have to. Maybe it's because they're already under so much fire and scrutiny for what happened last year with Blitch Chong and... What game was that? Heroes of the Storm? Or no, sorry. I think it was Heroes. Or was it Earthstone? It was Hearthstone. And that that whole controversy with China and then stuff going on with Overwatch and all this other stuff. So it's just like, yeah, I could see them really needing to like make sure fans aren't upset with them. Yeah, they definitely couldn't take a a get what you get policy Mm -hmm. on this one like Bethesda loves to do. Okay. Hopefully this this is like, you know, an evolving thing that they fix it up. Sure. They, they bring it to where fans want it to be. But you know what, man? It's always the introduction that really sets the course for you, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a tough thing in the gaming space. And I think that's especially tough for developers. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talk about like, here comes Kevin two sides here. Sure. <laughs> Making games is hard. Now, Game this hard. is not a novel concept, but people often ask themselves, like, what were you thinking? How, how did a team of people come to this conclusion? And it's just like, there's a lot of pressures, a lot of factors when it comes to game development, whether it be the business side or just the actual feasibility of making it right. I'm sure it looked like a great idea on paper to be like, yo, we need to bring both games to the same infrastructure, mm-hmm. essentially. And they were like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do that. It was probably easier, too, to just build it on the same infrastructure. Maybe. Um, then here's what happened. Here's a consequence, right? And I, I, I like to say that when you see something wrong in a game, it's never that no one knew. <laughs> there was probably some that like that called it out and was just like, I don't think this is a good thing. But when it comes to development, when mm-hmm. it comes to making decisions like this, it's always about look at the risk, understand the risk, and then have a plan to mitigate or reduce the amount of risk, right? Mm-hmm. But like, if you understand that you're accepting it, that's that's the biggest thing. It's like that's that's the first question. Are you going to accept it or not? And if the answer is yes because you're trying to accomplish a goal, you need to have a mitigation plan. Mm. They probably looked at it and goes like, "Ah, uh, this might be a risk, but we think we could update it, patch it, work on it going forward." But in the meantime, you have people going, what the fuck? Maybe they were hoping people just wouldn't notice. Ooh, that's another factor. They're like, too. hey, maybe we could just put this thing out and it'll just be good enough because it does look better than the original 2002 game. But also yeah. it's not what you guys promised, you know? I mean, we see this happen all the time. The the infamous example in your heart strikes with uh, Aliens, Colonial Marines, right? And a few other Ow, games. Oh, my heart. What I know. Fuck? How did you well, do that? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm an assassin. <laughs> But we see these things where it's like we're promised a certain vision and either the game doesn't come out or it does come out and it's not what was originally showcased. And that, mm-hmm. like that happens a lot. Right, right, right. Like it, it's, a, it's a misaligned expectation, yeah. right? And the thing is, it's not like the fans are the ones setting the expectations. You're the one that did it first. Mm-hmm. You showed us, hey, this is what it's going to be. And we're like, well, wow, that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Cool. I don't think we could do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, or, that's tough. Or we that's see really cases tough. where games are running on high-end PCs because that's how they have to demo and be built. But yeah. then when they actually come to the, the the right infrastructure that they're supposed to be, like, housed on, it doesn't function or, or play the same way. Right. So. I, I think you've used the term bullshot in this episode a couple of times. That's actually a little outdated mm-hmm. for what the idea for these demos is. Um, It's a vertical slice. Mm-hmm. A vertical slice is dangerous because the dev team might spend a lot of time just building out that vertical slice and hard-coding their way to, like, make that work and make it shine. And yeah. it's not representative it's not a representation of the rest of the game for instance we can't platformize what you're seeing the particle effects here cannot work in the rest of the game because mm-hmm. it's going to be a load bear yeah or ooh, this little element with this cool flourishing animation yeah it turns out that was rigged so hard there that we just cannot do that elsewhere mm-hmm. and that is the danger of these vertical slices because these developers start like building toward that instead of building the entire game uh-huh. because they need to they need to market it they need to show it in some way they need to get interest. They need to get pre-orders. Mm-hmm. That's the toughness of this business, man. It's tough, baby. It's tough. I mean, I can't even begin to like 
tout how easy or hard a thing it is because i'm not a game developer i only see what i see and i can only take the insights and stories that people come out with you know and and kind of build my knowledge base from there but like yeah i can't i can't say it's an easy thing to do at all so i'm sure they did what they had to um and they took it on the chin and i think they're going to do what they can to iterate and make the experience right for people and if you could save face um in the time of adversity during a release of a game Mm -hmm. then you can save the game and you can save your your um your face with the fans like that's and that's what they need to do yeah very quickly let's just look at the good here they had a response Mm -hmm. very quickly said hey we want to communicate to you and they also said we're totally okay giving you refunds we understand that's Mm -hmm. not our normal thing but we're going to do it in this instance because we understand how Mm -hmm. you're feeling that's a good look that's a good thing i think response time is important if they didn't respond to it right away then they'd be in more trouble than they probably are oh We'll see what else happens in 2020 for Blizz Blizz. Mm-hmm. Number seven on here, Daniel. Ubisoft confirms it will release five AAA games before April next year. Wow. Mm. In a financial call, the French publisher committed to five major games releasing by April 2020, three of which will hit stores by December, and another two will launch in Q4, so somewhere between January and March. While we don't know the exact release dates, gotta save some juice for E3, Mm -hmm. uh, we do know what three of those games will be. The previously announced Gods and Monsters, Rainbow Six Quarantine, and Watch Dogs Legion. Now, what about the other two? Could it be Beyond Good and Evil 2? Are we finally getting a new Splinter Cell? According to industry mothman Jason Schreier, no. In a brief tweet regarding this news, Jason said the remaining games will be a new Assassin's Creed and a new Far Cry. Mm. Yay! I think a safe bet there is also Just Dance 2021. Do they even count that now? They're just like, we still make those? I, I think that's like Ubisoft's Call of Duty now, where it's like it's going to come out every year <laughs> without needing like, a beat. They're like, that's a guarantee. We don't even like report out on it. It yeah. happens. It's a guarantee. It makes day. them so much money. It does, though. Yeah. Oh, my God. Didn't they release like the last one on the Wii? Like, it's, st- it's still there? I'm not sure if it's... No, you might be right, actually. It was something crazy. For sure the Wii U, though. It was like, what fucking market <laughs> data did told you to do yeah. this? But they did it, man. Much respect. Um, I'm sure it'll be on a Target shelf somewhere. But were you kind of um, hoping it might be different titles than that? Because I think we kind of knew an Assassin's Creed was going to be the the big thing, especially with next gen coming. Yeah. But a new Far Cry. I think like how we talked about Call of Duty. I think Far Cry needs to take a break. I think maybe Ubisoft needs to take that approach that they did with Assassin's Creed and apply it to Far Cry. Let's give it the other every other year approach. I think they did something interesting this past cycle with Far Cry Five and then uh, New Dawn. Was it? Uh, Yeah, probably. So having like a major uh, game and then having an expansion of sorts set in that world that was interesting, and I think that served fans and and a lot of ways if they wanted more far cry boom they got it more of the same far cry more of the same far cry but i think they probably should take some time off of far cry i think so too yeah. I, I i'm i'm less and less excited far cry 5 was kind of a dud for me mm. i and it had so much potential it was like dude this looks like a politically charged mm-hmm. far cry and then they were like we uh, it's about crazy cults so is this a comment nope but it looks like there's some illusions nope there isn't Okay, great. Thank you, Ubisoft. Well, because I think they wanted to take a step back and maybe not get any flack for being too political and, uh-huh. and you know, being too woke like Cliffy B. Where <laughs> it's like, it they could have really had a really poignant, satirical game that 
really highlighted uh, commentary on Trump's America, that sort of fervor and religious fervor. That's but, what I'm saying, But dude. they just dropped the ball with it. Oh, yeah. I, I know the heat that they would have gotten. People sure. would have fucking freaked yeah. the fuck out, but whatever. But um, Assassin's Creed we is... We need a game like that, goddammit. We do. Sorry. But Assassin's Creed's inevitable, and I think... Um, it's about time for that new one, for sure. It's inevitable. Well, it's, it's coming. They're following the every other year cadence. So mm. what, Odyssey is riding out its last cycle. Was that 2018? 2018. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. like October, maybe September, October of 2018. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of content with that. They made like a create your own story mode. They did a bunch of expansions. And yeah, that game is like at the point where it's like they probably need to move on to the next thing because that's just what they're going to do, you know? Yeah, at that point. I mean... It's one of those things where, like, I'm becoming, like, less and less excited mm-hmm. uh, about just hearing the same franchise name. Yeah. Um, but I do like that the last Assassin's Creed was baller, so the Odyssey was yeah. baller. I'm excited for this Viking thing that they've rumored before. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, again, Far Cry, whatever. But good luck to you, Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. Good luck to all the things you do, I think. The thought about Beyond Good and Evil 2, oh, my God. Thoughts and prayers. I don't think that's going to come out for a while. I don't think that game's coming out. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's not coming out, but I think the last time we saw it at the last E3, it was shown. It was like they were scrambling to like find people to contribute to it. Didn't they have like Joseph Gordon-Levitt come on stage and be like, we need to outsource free content creation for this game. Give us your free ideas. And people are like, wait, what? They're like, wait, you want spec work for free? Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't think of it as spec work, but yeah. (laughs) It was such an awkward thing. Yeah. I'm going to say that that game might get canceled. I know, I know they're putting in time, but I think it's from what we're seeing and hearing or what little that we're seeing and hearing, mm-hmm. it might be overly ambitious, right? I don't, or if anything, it's probably going to be one of those games where like halfway through next gen, it's going to be like, hey, remember Beyond Good and Evil? And we're like, uh, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. D- did you do it? Yeah, it's. I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like they probably will spend so much time developing it that they probably miss the mark with marketing it. And then it's just going to come out and not many people are going to notice whereas like moving into next gen uh especially with ps5 xbox one series x and all that shit like they need to have a uh like an assassin's creed ready to push at launch because like they need that game to come out at launch yeah dude assassin's creed at launch that's Mm -hmm. a signature right there man i mean they did it last gen i had a lot of fun with with black flag at launch yeah actually a lot of people still say that's like one of the best assassin's creed it truly is so So, i'm not i'm not gonna give them too much flack i like assassin's creed a lot of people i don't know why whenever i mention it you always get like one guy and like whenever like my twitch chat or whatever fuck assassin's creed fuck them and i'm like why what's the last Mm -hmm. one you played three unity (laughs) i'm like dude they've done a lot of good ones since then they have i won't say they're all good but some of them have been great Shout out the Syndicate. Thank you. Shout out the Syndicate. Brother, let us embrace. One of the fucking best, okay? If you haven't played Syndicate, it's so fucking cheap. Go pick it up. That game gets no love. I know. Isn't there like a Ubisoft, or was there a Ubisoft sale where it was like basically all the major Assassin's Creed games for like a hundred bucks? Yeah, they go on sale like every two weeks, Mm -hmm. basically. Come on. But that was like eight games for a hundred bucks. That was worth it. That's what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. dude. Number eight. Dan Hauser is leaving the Hauser. <laughs> That's actually a joke you put in there. Uh, I did. Yeah. Well, no, I, the I joke was uh, there's at least still one Hauser in the house. There's always a Hauser in the house. That's yeah. pretty good. God yeah. damn it, should have used that. After almost 22 years, Dan Hauser is leaving the company that he co-founded with his brother Sam in 1998 when BMG Interactive was purchased by Take-Two and rebranded 
as Rockstar. Heard of them? Since then, Dan has been a lead producer and writer on nearly every game Rockstar has created, including Bully, Red Dead Redemption, Manhunt, Max Payne, Grand Theft Auto, and the big one, Smugglers Run 2, Hostile Territory. Shout out, best game in their catalog. Now, the news of Dan's departure comes to us from an SEC document registered by Take-Two rather than a statement from Rockstar. (laughs) It's like they didn't want this news to get out. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm sure their stock is going to take a major hit after this. It did. It took yeah. about a 5% hit. Holy shit. And it's Take-Two stock, not Rockstar stock. It's Take-Two, the, two, the parent company, company took a hit. Which, like, what does that mean? Like, people's faith is uh, shook? In I the... mean, he was so instrumental in so many operations within... For 22 uh, years. Yeah, so... Mm. But I think... I mean, Sam is also, like, a known name. I'm sure, like, they could still usher in that faith with him, but... Yeah, what's up with that? People are just like, yeah, but Dan. But he's not Dan. <laughs> this is a conversation where like, yeah, but Dan. I don't know Dan from Sam mm-hmm. at this point, right? They, they always operated so behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know anything about their personalities or... Yeah. I, I just know the shit that they like fucking crime noir and uh stealing cars i mean yeah i always saw them grouped together as the hauser brothers so it's like Mm -hmm. a duo rather than anything like the property brothers right i can't tell which one's which you know the property brothers Mm -mm. oh my god it's it's so they're twins and one of them is like does the financial stuff Uh and then the other guy actually does like the actual hands-on i'm gonna knock down a wall to make your house pretty kind of Uh, shit (laughs) and they work together and they're like hello beautiful couple that makes uh collectively three hundred thousand dollars a year (laughs) we will give you your dream home (laughs) basically okay yeah it's a great show Mm. they should make a show oh they should have made a show about the housers like that right That'd been cool. Yeah, that would have been cool. Housers take down the house. So you want a game where you steal stuff and listen to music? Well, <laughs> we got you. So the document reads this: "Quote: After an extended break beginning in the spring of 2019, Dan Hauser, Vice President Creative at Rockstar Games, will be leaving the company. Dan Hauser's last day will be March 11, 2020. Bring cake. We are extremely grateful for his contributions." Rockstar Games has built some of the most critically acclaimed and commercially successful game worlds, a global community of passionate fans, and an incredibly talented team, which remains focused on current and future projects. End quote. They're like, yeah, please, please, we're, we're, we're still good. We're still mm-hmm. good. Rockstar did reach out to The Verge to confirm that President Sam Hauser's role remains unchanged. Oh, so he's the president. Yeah. Isn't okay. that interesting? Huh. I don't know Dan from Sam. <laughs> Sometimes the VP is more instrumental than the president in a lot of roles. Really? Yeah, sometimes the president is just the fucking face of it all, and the VP makes the shit happen, you know? Huh. So, like, which one do you think was choosing the soundtracks? Probably Dan. Probably Dan, yeah, right? Dan's probably got an ear for some good tunes. Dan was like, tears for fears. Yeah. This is music you could fears. rob to. Right. And Sam was like, whatever, dude. Whatever. Just, just... just as long as you're running over hookers. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think this means for um, Take Two? Uh, the future of Rockstar, all of that. I think um, that that little stock hit that they took, mm-hmm. just need to announce GTA 6 and you're fucking good. Yeah, that's, that's it. about it. Yeah. There's not much more to that. Like, right? as long as you don't fault with, like, the games that are, are promised, or rather, the games that you know will sell and deliver for the fans, you're still fine. Yeah, I don't think the games are going to get demonstrably worse, <laughs> to be honest with you, right? Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of people to make those games. Here's a little thought experiment. Next time you're playing GTA 5... Most of the gamers that are listening to this podcast have it, according to the NPD. Uh, Go ahead and just uh, crack open the credits, man. Look at the credits. You have spent about 35 minutes of seeing credits. 
there are hundreds of names that have mm. built these worlds, that have built these communities. Mm. It's not all just on the back of mm. one dude. <laughs> so. I think maybe in the beginning it was, but since oh, like, for sure. Rockstar has grown into this entity that mm. is more than just one person, yeah, I think a lot of Dan's philosophies are probably embedded in these people, his mindset, his work ethic for better or for worse. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Considering the uh, reports of crunch that came out from the studio. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I, so at this point, like, yeah, rockstar is more than just him. So rockstar is more than just him. Mm-hmm. The games are more than just than two people. Yeah. Right. So, but oh, now, the, but now fine. the why of it, yeah. why did he leave? Yeah. I, I think the better question is why do the same thing forever? Yeah, that's fair. You know, like my dude was around for 22 years. Mm-hmm. I'm sure not to comment on his financial gains. I'm sure he's good, mm-hmm. right? And it's kind of a dream for a lot of people to, you know, retire before their body gives out on them. Sure. Millennials can't do it. Generation <laughs> Z, they'll probably all be yeah. software engineers, so they're good to go. Yeah. But uh, why not, right? Like, hey, man, I have made literally fucking 30 plus games. My my name is a producer in the credits. Mm-hmm. I have built a fucking empire Time to bow out, right? Yeah, he looks back on his career and it's something to be proud of. Like, he's produced massive successes for the gaming industry. Yeah, for sure, so. right? Like, when you talk about gaming, somewhere in that conversation is mm-hmm. going to be GTA or one of the games that Rockstar has put mm-hmm. forth, right? That's huge legacy right there. Why not? Why not just be like, hey, man, I did my shit? Yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with this. When we see big people that are known uh, in the public face, like yeah. when I look at Reggie fils a Nintendo, when I look at Sean Layden, uh, when I look at somebody like Nobuo Uematsu as a composer for Final Fantasy, when I look at fucking Dan Hauser, it's like you had such a staggering career that people would die to have. And you did your thing, and it's okay to just be like, I want to do something else for a little while. Maybe he'll always have a love for video games, and maybe he'll like dip back into it later, but at least he won't have that immense pressure of having to be the VP of like one of the most recognizable companies in gaming. Yeah, dude. So. I mean, you can't... Some people don't dream of working themselves to death. Mm-hmm. Imagine that, right? Well, isn't the American dream to like work, make a lot of money, and retire early? Bingo, How's right? How's doing it? Yeah, not everybody could be like uh, Sakurai, who is basically going to die in that company. He's yeah. going to die at his desk, and he wants to. Yeah. He wants to, basically, um, he wants to put so much of his self in the game that he lives on within it forever. He becomes a spirit character in the game. That sounds like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. <laughs> where like, he may have died, but there's been reports that if you play the game at midnight... You can hear him crying out from a, from one of the levels. <laughs> For some reason, Byleth just doesn't block anymore. <laughs> just weird shit. What if he's actually been gone this whole time and he's actually like a robot? Sakurai? Yeah. They've, they, uh, well, they could do it. Yeah, the $6 billion Sakurai. I would guess that he was like a hologram, actually. Okay. Right? Just like they do for Coachella and stuff. Mm. Like, they don't want anyone to think that anything's wrong with the game, right? It's actually just an algorithm. That's, that's why nobody's seen shit. him in public for like 10 years. They've it's... only seen like very curated videos of him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, people intend to review those videos and go, we don't have an office like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's always bothered them. Yeah. They don't know where to find his desk. How did we get here? I don't know. <laughs> well, good luck to you, Dan yeah. Hauser. Probably in a couple of months we'll see a story about how you were fucking farting on your employees. <laughs> yeah, maybe that maybe he was just trying to get a, a, ahead of a situation that he knew was coming. <laughs> yeah, you either bow out with grace or live long enough to hear about your smug fart stories. Cliffy B, the story. <laughs> His fucking memoir. <laughs> smug farts. <laughs> 
Oh man, we've had our goofy ha-has, but um, this last bit that I wanted on here, it's one of those things where I just didn't know where to put it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to put like serious topics like in the middle of the show or even at the beginning of the show and change the tone. So I put it at the end, uh, but most of the reason I want to talk about this is not just because of, like, oh, there's an impact on gaming. It's more about visibility to a real problem that's going on right mm-hmm. now. And, and I think something that we need to be aware of, right? That information needs to get out there. So uh, number nine on here is about the coronavirus. So strap in. Number nine, the video game industry is experiencing manufacturing delays due to the coronavirus. Now, the novel or new coronavirus outbreak originating from Wuhan, China, the capital of Hubei province, has been declared by the World Health Organization as a global health emergency. Given that 96% of console manufacturing takes place in China, it makes sense that companies are already reporting expected delays in hardware output. Last Thursday, Nintendo released the following statement, quote, we can confirm that the manufacturing of some Nintendo products for the Japanese market have been delayed due to the impact of 2019-NCOV coronavirus outbreak, end quote. Nintendo does not expect a significant impact to their global supply chain for systems and accessories in North America and European territories, and added, quote, We would like to express our concern and support for all those affected by the coronavirus during this challenging time, end quote. While both Sony and Microsoft plan to release next-gen hardware this winter, neither company has commented if the coronavirus has affected their plans. However, Trilby Beresford of The Hollywood Reporter notes, quote, All three of the major game consoles, Nintendo, PlayStation, and Xbox, are manufactured in Taiwan, which has recorded multiple patients affected with the virus, end quote. Outsource studio Virtuos, who have been working on the Nintendo Switch port of the Outer Worlds and have multiple offices located across China, also saw production delayed because of the outbreak. Publisher Private Division reassured fans that the studio was okay, but their offices are currently closed, and that they're working with the team to figure out a new release date for the port. At the time of writing, the Chinese government estimates that 34,500 people have been infected with the virus in mainland China, and over 722 have died. Worldwide, coronavirus cases have been reported daily in at least 25 other countries. Who recommends that people protect themselves by washing their hands thoroughly with soap and covering their mouth while coughing and sneezing? Whew. Yeah, it's a really scary thing. Yeah. Right? I mean, first and foremost, uh, we see something that is growing into a pandemic. My my heart goes out to the people in China right now because like, this is a disastrous thing that I think is not being handled correctly or adequately. People are being left to die, and it is tragic. Right. They, uh, we were talking about this before the show, and this, this is something that just fucking broke my heart. Yeah. Um, they are actually rounding people up in Wuhan that exhibit infection signs in quarantine camps, essentially. Mm. Looks like and something out of a horror movie. It truly, truly does. And they are just being left on sick beds to die, mm-hmm. is essentially what's happening. They're, they're going door to door in this province and doing temperature checks on civilians. And if you don't meet the bar, if you're showing some heat you're going to be thrown into a quarantine camp mm-hmm. where what if you just have a cold? You're being thrown into a place where there's confirmed infection. It is almost like a death sentence. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. And the way that uh, China government is viewing it is they think they're in wartime mm-hmm. and they are exerting control over their population in that way. What was it that if people were trying to seek refuge or leave the country? They, they would be considered a deserter. Yeah, that's insane. Yep. 
But that also speaks to the state that China is in right now as a communist state and the, where their government's at. It's backwards and it is coming down in a way that's affecting your population negatively. Like, I don't see them being there for their population the way they need to be. Could you imagine, though? It's like if you get sick, mm-hmm. if you get sick, you know what I would want if I get sick? Mm. I want someone to help me. Yeah. I won't. I, I wouldn't want to have the feeling of like, oh, I'm going to this place and then look around and be like, wow, they re- are really understaffed and they're basically just putting me on a bed and that's it. And I could be gone soon. That's horrible. That's horrifying. And the thing is, the thing about this virus is that I, I think a lot of times, especially from an American perspective, mm-hmm. we like to think of these things as just like far off problems, mm-hmm. right? Far away. I'm not here. It doesn't affect me. It will. It spreads quickly. It can it is is what it is right yeah and we've had confirmed reports in the united states in fact we had one in washington where we live mm-hmm. and that's that's just something where i'm also seeing something that really disturbs me i know it's a scary thing and scary things cause panic mm-hmm. i get that we don't know a lot about the coronavirus we only know that we've only started to begin to understanding how it's communicated which mm-hmm. is airborne mm-hmm. and you could get infected within about six feet of somebody that is exhibiting uh, symptoms of it uh-huh. and we thought originally that it, it was from animal to humans mm-hmm. because they've identified that it might have come from uh wuhan fish markets essentially okay. so basically somebody can cough and it's communicated to you mm-hmm. yeah we were not quite sure whether or not somebody touching something like a surface or a door handle could cause infection but typically from coronavirus is not a new thing by the way this mm. is just a new breed that's why it's become the, the novel breed yeah it typically dies pretty quickly on surfaces but we don't know this thing is different and it's causing respiratory fail in pe- uh, failure in people mm-hmm. now the thing that i really 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 despise is that people are using this as a back tool a back door to kind of confirm their racial biases Right. Like I'm, I'm hearing people saying like, oh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm just not going to eat at like a Chinese restaurant. What the fuck? Like, things like that. It's like, no, mm-hmm. no, no, no. And they're using it as like a, a, re- a reason to like deride and and cause suspicion mm-hmm. in our own society. And I think that's just disgusting. That's horrible. I mean, fear breeds hate. It yeah. always has. So if they see something like Chinese virus, those two things are enough for them to be like, well, it's all Chinese people. It's all Chinese markets. It's all Chinese products. I got to stay away from that. Mm-hmm. I think, moreover, it is important to be aware, for sure. Awareness is key in any situation. Getting the facts, getting the, the the know of how it spreads, what it's impacting, what it's doing, and its global reach. But just be in the know. Don't call, don't be hateful about it, because it's like, what is that helping? Like, it doesn't. Your, your innate or, like, um, deep-seated racism is coming out here, and it's not helping the situation at all. It just makes you look like an asshole. Yeah, it does, and so. you're you're sowing you're sowing a kind of panic that does not need to yeah. occur, especially when there's very real threat, right? Mm-hmm. Where we got to be informed about like what what is this virus? Mm-hmm. What do we need to do? Like what? Not come on, like get the fuck out. I of mean, here it now. reminds me back in the day in like the 1910s, like the Red Panic when right. with the with the communists, and uh, there was a party back in the day where it's like, oh, there's this communist feared so now, so we should be afraid of all Russians, all Chinese people, all foreigners, and it's like no just because something happened that was localized to a certain type of person or population doesn't mean it speaks for everybody much like with 9-11 and afghani residents and iraqi and iran people from the middle east iraq iran saudi arabia just because it was a 
person or group from that region doesn't mean it paints a target on the whole country or a whole region. It's just a group of people that came from there that it just happens to be tied to it. So I, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like these people cause it, therefore it's all of them. And you know, it's, it's, it's misinformation and it's knee jerk reactions and it's fear that breeds us hate. And it's just, it's wrong. It's misplaced. It doesn't help. It's totally unnecessary. Yeah. It, it honestly looks like one of it looks like a zombie movie, right? Yeah. It looks like a zombie movie in, in the sense that like our greatest threat is each other, essentially. Yeah. Like we pick each other apart out of fear. Mm -hmm. That's this is not the time to pick each other apart, right? Mm -hmm. It's a time to be informed and be aware and know how you can protect yourself. Mm -hmm. And right now we don't know a lot about the virus, and I know mm -hmm. that's scary, right? That is scary. It's just think like, well, what what can I do about it? Not much. Or if it's, it's even scary to think that normal things that they would do, uh, like in China specifically, um, they have an air pollution problem. So the idea is, okay, we can wear like face masks and that'll protect us. But in this case, it seems like it's even causing it to exacerbate the situation and make people become infected and die quicker. We really, there's a lot of scientific debate about face masks, yeah. uh, especially since like it just kind of houses whatever mm -hmm. infection yeah. in a the person. The bacteria is just like kind of makes sense, back right? So actually who even mentioned, which just like um, face masks are optional mm -hmm. and it's not really necessary to wear in areas where there is no known infection mm -hmm. so so that's why like it's i i've seen people wearing them in seattle for sure yeah definitely. yeah but i i can totally understand the fear too where it's like think about like harbor towns port towns anything where like big trade happens seattle mm -hmm. is like seattle is a huge like port, seattle port, is a port yeah. city it's so. a port city yeah that's how things spread right and that's mm -hmm. how it's been spreading or or through air travel and all that like um, at airports right now, they are doing temperature checks. Oh wow! Yep, I didn't know that. Yeah, they will not let you on a plane if you are exhibiting like uh, flu symptoms. Okay. Yeah. So it's yeah exactly. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's scary. And, yeah. And you know, for me, like you know, I know we we um, poise it as like, hey, here's what's going on. The impact of like you know gaming. Mm -hmm. I only make that point because I could give a fuck if like a console is delayed, is delayed or anything. Because mm -hmm. the human cost is always going to like matter more to me, sure. right? Like if people need to focus on their families, focus on protecting themselves, like or if they're mm -hmm. sick, that is ultimate priority. Not getting a new fucking switch mm -hmm. for Christmas, you know. I, I mean, I think we're definitely going to see a cause and effect here because this disease is running rampant right now we don't even know how it's going to continue to escalate we don't yeah. know if there's any known cure for it we don't know how they're going to curb it and and start to begin to save lives on a more widespread level with it um we're going to see the impact we're going to see like with um private division and um outer worlds we saw that get delayed we're probably going to see a slower down production of things happening i wouldn't be surprised if um Maybe the Switch Pro got delayed for that very reason because maybe it was being uh, manufactured in China. Maybe now it's not be able to be as readily manufactured and put out there. Um, yeah, there's long tail effects yeah. about things, and I, I think um, sometimes a lot we don't think about that, right? Mm -hmm. We we think like, oh, some people are getting sick over here. Well, what does that mean for me right now? With like, it's like no, when things happen on a global stage, mm -hmm. it affects trade, it affects mm -hmm. economy, it affects travel, commerce, everything, all of it. Right. And guess what? Your lovely, lovely games are part of that global system. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think that so much of our gaming ecosystem happens in China, whether it's manufacturing or funding or what have you, you know, 96% of manufacturing. That's insanity. That's yeah. insane. You like know? Uh, companies like Foxconn, for instance, mm. they've ex extended the um, the new year. Usually they shut down for a month. They've extended mm. that because so many people are sick and impacted by this virus. Mm. I mean, 34,000 plus. Wow. 
That's a lot of people that are sick, man. Yeah, and I'm sure that number is only going to continue to exponentially grow. Right. So Until I we mean, figure this out, right? I, I think there's a point here. Um, you know, it sucks, obviously, that our consoles may get delayed. It sucks that our products may get delayed. The idea is to raise the awareness of the why of it, but I think the more important thing is, well, people people's lives are at risk people are dying people are dying in inhumane ways and i think that's more important than getting my consoles by christmas i'm sorry like that always matters more yeah always like we we talk about this from time to time when that big tsunami and earthquake hit japan and there was supposed to be a nintendo direct that was supposed to happen that same week and it got delayed i think that was like the one that was reported to like announce like animal crossing or something or whatever right? and people got really upset they're like oh my god where's our nintendo direct legit a catastrophe happened in that country back the fuck up man like i don't know why your entitlement's so high when human lives are at risk yeah i gotta say take a step back that's a bad look for you that's bad mentality people will always matter more than your toys Mm -hmm. remember that at the end of the day these video games are toys (laughs) lives matter more i i think we're gonna see some interesting uh effects from this though we're gonna see delays we might see price inflation we might see things like that maybe so. Yeah, we it's it's really hard to, to yeah. estimate until it happens, right? It's things are going to change for a little while, and I I'm just it's kind of scary scary to think about. Like, how is this going to escalate? Is it going to kind of like dwindle down? You know, because we had a we had the SARS scare a while back, mm-hmm. right? And that kind of seemed to be mitigated, mm-hmm. you know. But like, how is this going to go? I guess only time will tell. I the thing yeah. is, like, I just I hope that the Chinese government gets wise. And allows people to get refuge and treatment in the most humane and safe ways. You need to treat people. You need to have these doctors on scene and and doing what they can do to save their their people. While making sure those doctors are protected as well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, There was a a case recently like where, what, seven of the doctors who were treating people died? Uh, No. So it was close, but um, it was eight doctors. uh, And this was basically, they were the first ones to report that they were seeing uh, this virus mm-hmm. actually kill people. Mm-hmm. And they were all thrown into prison because they were told by uh, law enforcement that they were just, like, fucking spreading fake news. Oh, okay. Yeah, that happens everywhere, apparently, Ooh. right? I mean, it's more common in dictatorships and communist states. Yeah, imagine mm-hmm. that, huh? So what happened was they were released, and the government actually officially said, yeah, th- this is a, a thing. Okay. And one of the doctors went back to work and was like, oh, okay, died. He died because he was infected. Mm. Yep. Which is tragic. Like, this dude tried to warn the world first, and they were penalized for it? Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous, right? People do really shitty, awful things when they're scared. The thing is, it's okay to be scared. It's not okay to hurt others or fucking, what was this? Basically stifle information that, yeah. that was important? I think, it, especially in the case of China, it's all about how they're perceived on the world stage. Oh no, we got to keep putting China out there as a good country. It's all positive. It's all good. This isn't happening out here. People aren't dying from this. This is all lies. Yeah, it was just an accident. Those people just must have died from something else. But when you go about stifling information and throwing people in jail and calling people deserters and putting people in basically sick internment camps, you're making yourself look worse. You're, it's like history repeats and repeats yeah. and repeats. So, <laughs> just a sidebar here on that point. Uh, Chernobyl, the show Chernobyl, mm. um, basically detail the events of the reactor meltdown that occurred, mm. or the, it popped basically. Yeah. And the officials there were being told by the people 
on the fa fucking factory level that this is happening, my dudes. And they're like, we don't believe you. There's no way that the reactor can explode. There's no way. Go in there, stick your head in there, and give us a report. And they're like, everything I'm telling you about what's happening, things that are supposed to be on inside of the reactor are on the front lawn. That wouldn't happen if it didn't explode. Mm -hmm. Did not believe them. That's how fear makes people operate. Mm -hmm. No, that's not true. You're spreading fake news, basically. Mm -hmm. Told them to look in. Those guys were the first to die. Don't let shit like that happen, man. Yeah. Be smart. Be educated. Understand what's happening. Don't let fear control you in these ugly, ugly mm -hmm. ways. That's it. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, this one's going to have a long tail with a lot of ramification. But at the end of the day, like, it's not about your playthings. It's about people. Yeah. Well, this has been a long one. It has. This has been a, an interesting episode. A lot of ups and downs. A lot of, a lot of life. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of loving. I a mean, lot of, a lot of feeling. Honestly, I want to... I wanna dedicate this episode to cliffy b um the information we brought here these are human interest tales but we're doing it in the name of being woke and, and, and just trying yeah. to <laughs> i don't know be woke we're, we're we're just trying to sell our game radical heights it's a new battle royale i think you kids are gonna love it it's got it's everything you want it's got yeah. airdrops it's got weird flossing it's, mm -hmm. it's it's just good right mm -hmm. and it's also got gender neutral bathrooms oh no the gamers are turning the gamers oh, are turning no! <laughs> <laughs> all right man let's bring this one home once again thank you for listening to the save room this is our news episode with news this is the only gaming podcast that doesn't have to worry about other gaming podcasts we are like the microsoft of, of podcasts what? <laughs> yeah. other companies can't take us down we're thinking ahead we're doing new things that other companies aren't doing <laughs> yeah yeah man we're, we're out there we're yeah. living life living large right this is one of those uh podcasts that you when you just think about it it's there for you mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying that's true so yeah if you guys don't know which i'm sure you know by this point you can find us on spotify soundcloud stitcher itunes google play rss feeds and really just anywhere you want to find us we, you honestly just can't get rid of us at this point um you can find us on twitch you can find Kevin over at twitch.tv slash the red herb and me over at twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels. And if you want to add us to just say, hey man, we like the new format, but you guys are still fucking insane and we don't know what you guys are doing, go find us at twitch. Or sorry, at Save Room Show on Twitter. Give us some words. Just jump in uh, to our menchies, okay, man? That's all. Just That's jump all. in there. Yeah, just say hey. Send us a gif. <laughs> I like gifs. I love gifs. Yeah. Gifs are great. They're like a moving picture. You know, there's an entire YouTube account called, um, uh, gifts with sound aren't those just videos <laughs> <laughs> well i never <laughs> this podcast is canceled yeah all right guys thanks for listening have a good night night